Hey everybody, welcome back to Review Mania. My name is Rob, along with Zach. And today, hey, we're doing WrestleMania 35. Yes, it is one of those important WrestleManias that ends in either 5 or 0. They're supposed to be the really good ones. Eh. What do you mean, man? Dude, I spent so much time trying to freaking watch this show. It was hard. It was like seven hours. Well, yeah. But you didn't even watch the pre-show, so you didn't get the full seven hours. Well, I got enough. I'll tell you that much. Cause holy crap. This was brutal. I can't wait for next episode. We only have one night to review. Yes, but then we'll have to watch two WrestleMania 36s. Oh, God. It never ends. So, you watch the... You watched the uh, the deal, the pre-show. Yes, I watched the pre-show. Um, our first match up of the night was for the cruiserweight championship. It was Buddy Murphy versus Tony Nese, uh, both now part of the AEW roster. Um, and Buddy Murphy was essentially doing uh, a Kenny Omega impersonation with his uh, his moveset in Cruiserweight Championships. And Tony Nese is exciting, but, like, I don't really get his gimmick all that much. He's the premier athlete, but he's not, like, any more impressive than some of the other Cruiserweight people or people like Rey Mysterio, you know what I mean? Yeah, and even in AEW... They barely use him. Yeah. He's just so it's the like, guy with abs. Yeah. He's uh, out of the people that... Um, what's his name? Forget it. I had a brain fart. Cut this out. Nope. It's staying in. We're live, pal. No. Come on, this is a podcast, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point of a podcast, so you can cut things out. True, true. Uh, he, he's a former ECW champion. Tommy short, Dreamer. No, short guy. Red hair, worked with the Sinister Minister. Mikey Whipwreck. Tony Nese was one of the trainees of Mikey Whipwreck alongside like people like Matt Cardona and stuff like that. And Tony Nese is kind of like lower down on on the card in terms of the people that he's trained. Dang, I don't know. I mean, just my opinion. Yeah, I like it, it. But like, if you compare him to like I don't know Trent, who's in that same same echelon, same class per se, I enjoy Trent better. Shots fired. There you go. Anyway. Um, Murphy went through all of his various kicks and Tony Nese did his uh, various power bombs and super kicks and Nice knees as they're called uh, and Tony Nese ended up becoming the new champ and it was like this is my Wrestlemania moment and it was like the first match on the show uh people didn't necessarily seem to a lot of people didn't seem to be in their seats and stuff like that I, I don't know like a lot of these pre-show matches 
seem kind of sad because like not a lot of people are watching them. Um, it was an overall good match, like good back and forth and exciting because it's the cruiserweight stuff, but nothing uh, overall to write home about. Is that it? Uh, for the... No. <laughs> then there's the uh, Women's Battle Royal, which ended up being won by Carmella. Uh, all of these Battle Royals are essentially the same. Uh, and then there was also uh, the Raw Tag Team Championships, which were the Revival uh, versus Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Um, Hawkins had been on like this terrible losing streak, like 200 and something wins or losses in a row. Uh, and that was the story going into this. Uh, and they ended up uh, winning the Raw Tag Titles from the Revival, Ryder's and uh, Hawkins. And then there was the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, uh, which was won by Braun Strowman after some SNL guys interfered and call it Joasted Shay whatever. Yeah, it, it was supposed to be funny. It wasn't really funny. Braun Strowman threw a whole bunch of people. It kind of looked dangerous. I don't know. That's it. <laughs> Fair. So WrestleMania 35 is April 7th, 2019 from MetLife Stadium or in the shadow of New York. New Jersey. Jersey. An outdoor stadium. I love it. Yolanda Adams is introduced with a choir to sing America the Beautiful. After that, four Apache helicopters fly over the stadium in a row. And they're very slow compared to jets. They're just like... And they just kind of hover and slowly go over. And I was like, fast forward. Now they're like jets. Well, I wonder if they if they do that for, like, sound reasons. Uh, because, like, the jets do, like, those... Like, they fly overhead. They make a lot of noise that is kind of disruptive. And maybe the jet... Or the helicopters are less disruptive. Yeah, overall. makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, we get a really different intro. Uh, it's very cinematic, quoting Shakespeare and WrestleMania as their stage. And they have the chance to live forever. Then a video package is set to Deaf Rebels Never Die. Showing the participants in each match. They're indispliced with quick shots of action. Ronda, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch get the most because obviously they're the main event. First time women main eventing WrestleMania. The announcers are Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and Renee Young. Alexa Bliss is introduced as the host of WrestleMania. Alexa says that she's has a show in her hands, and if she wants, she could make a WrestleMania moment. And she snaps her fingers, and then she does it again, and then Hulk Hogan shows up, and Corey Graves flips the shit. And yeah, doesn't he shout like, oh my goddess? Yes. This is before Which, he had whoever he had. Well, uh, he's married now to Carmella. Yes, that's it. Um, I never quite got the whole 
goddess thing with Alexa Bliss. Maybe it's because I wasn't watching as regularly at this point. I was mostly watching WrestleMania and a few pay-per-views here and there. But, like, that never seemed to, like, cross my mind. Um, did you hear about uh, the latest update on Hulk Hogan's health that has come to light this past week? Yeah, something about he needed a cane. My co-worker, who knows I like wrestling, just randomly sent it to me in a team's chat. And I'm like, okay, I'm not shocked. He jumped and landed on his ass for 35 years. So according to Kurt Angle, uh, Hulk Hogan walks with a cane now because they cut away most of the nerves in his back. So he cannot feel anything from the waist down. I'm surprised he can even walk, to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the nerve, like, the, like, the pain receptacle, like, doesn't work, but, like, I guess he can still communicate that sort of thing, but he just doesn't feel anything. I don't know. That's wild. That does suck. I mean, like, I, I kind of wonder, you know, was Hulk Hogan defined by, you know, the leg drop? You know, could he have just done the big boot? Well, I think we could say definitively that he wasn't defined just by the uh, leg drop because he didn't do it when he was in Japan. He did a clothesline. Oh, there you go. He could have been but the big clothesline from Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he could have done the axe bomber. There you go. All the time. All the time. But, you know, I think it really goes down to promoters not taking care of the people that they're promoting like the people that work for them because the ring and wwf were historically always very very hard yeah up, up until vince started bumping and then all of a sudden they got a lot softer yes yes so hogan does his shtick and he says right here in the silver dome then he says it's great to be back at metlife center which again he fucks it up uh, apparently him just showing up at the WrestleMania moment. I get why, but fuck Hulk Hogan. Yeah, fuck Hulk Hogan. During the posing of Hogan and Alexa Bliss, uh, oh, Paul Heyman just comes power walking past them and demands a microphone and yells, Wrong, 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 wrong. If my client isn't last, then we're not hanging around here to wait. And we're getting our business done, and we're getting on a jet to Los Angeles, where ultimately he is appreciated. Heyman does the overtop introduction for Brock, and out he comes. Yeah, Spork Laser comes out, and he does his little shuffle jump, grabs the top ropes, fireworks, all the other good stuff. So, was there any this ultimate stuff? What is he talking about? Was this before or after UFC 200? This was after, if I'm not mistaken. Because remember, we already talked about in a previous episode that he fought uh, Shane Carwin or whatever during that SummerSlam match, and he got popped for steroids. Yeah, yeah. So his contract was up with WWE for sure because he only signed at at a time like he only signs for a certain amount of matches at a time 
and then he renegotiates for more money. Um, and so I think his match deal was up, and he was playing the, well, I could just go to UFC, but I think he still had to, like, go back into the USADA pool and all sorts of other things, if I'm remembering correctly. So, like, it was like a it was a thought that he might try to do some fighting again, but ultimately, I think it was just to try to eke a little bit more money from Vince. Gotcha. So, Seth gets a cool Beast Slayer graphic before he burn it down. Music plays. First match of the night: the Universal Championship, Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar, the champion. Lesnar attacks Seth as he tries to get him into the ring, but he's sent outside. Lesnar hits the five. Seth is thrown over the German announce table twice. I like that we get to see Michael Cole jumping over the barricade. Meanwhile, Corey is behind Renee. Well, I would also hide behind Renee because Renee seems very sturdy, stable, uh, very comforting. She seems like a good person to be with in a, with in a crisis, you know? There you go. Yeah, John yeah. Moxley and her take on the world. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Brock Lesnar finally uh, throws Seth into the ring, but he won't let the official look at Seth uh, to see if he can continue. All we hear is a, come on, Brock, come on, Brock, as Lesnar continues to manhandle Rollins like a sack of potatoes. The poor German announcer sat back down, and they get Rollins in their laps. So... <laughs> You hear it here first. Brock Lesnar hates Germans. The bell that hasn't seems even... ve- That seems very unlike Brock Lesnar, considering some of the things that he has said. But eh, anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. By the way, I do not know if indeed Brock Lesnar hates Germans. I'm just assuming on this night they pissed him off. Maybe he thought they were French. There you go. Damn it! I got the wrong. We got the wrong table. Damn Canucks. Uh, typical Lesnar suplexes. The crowd is really quiet. And then finally Seth gets some offense, getting out of the F5 attempt. And then he gets behind the ref's back. He hits a low blow. And then he gets a stomp. And then Lesnar gets up in the third stomp. And a second stomp. And a fifth stomp. And a fourth stomp. And I don't know, there's three of them. And then he finally wins at 2 minutes and 30 seconds. So Seth Rollins is your new Universal Champion. Michael Cole calls this a shocking event. And Seth's dream has been realized that the age of Rollins is here. Rollins gets on the pyro show and the top of the ring. And then he spins it around like a crazy person. I like when he does that. I have a replica WWF championship from the Attitude Era, and that yes. thing's pretty heavy, and I don't know if I'd want to spin that thing around like a helicopter. It's a good 13 pounds. Yeah, well, you know, it. you have to have good core strength in order to do that, and if there's one thing that we know that Seth Rollins has, it's good core strength. Yes. Look at those abs. Yes. Take, it makes Tony Nese cry at night. So what do you think of the... Bork laser versus burn it down man. I mean, it's not really a match. It's not. It's not even really a story. It's just more like 
Well, we think Brock might leave, so we should get the belt off of him. Let's put it on Seth. He's around all the time. And we should probably have the belt on somebody who's around most of the time. People seem to like that. <laughs> so, like, it was like a means to an end. It wasn't really anything... It didn't really show Seth's capabilities. It certainly didn't show Brock's capabilities. It seemed like Brock was bored for the most part. It was okay. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just typical. I guess this is what every match now is. Even today. I will, say, I will say this. I am getting a little tired of the whole Brock is above so above everybody else on the WWE roster that they have to do something underhanded in order to get a upper hand on him. Uh, they have to do a low blow. They have to rake the eyes. They have to do something. Like, like it, it seems like most people who face Brock Lesnar have to do it. Uh, Seth, uh, Daniel Bryan does it. I think Finn Balor also did it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Roman Reigns at some point did it. It, it just seems like, oh, well, that's how you uh, that's how you stun Brock Lesnar. You hit him in the weak zones. In the weak zones. <laughs> He's like a video game yes. uh, boss, you know, like, so... Aim like, for the cannons. Right. You know, it's... That, I think, is is slightly annoying because when you look back at Brock Lesnar's first run, was he dominant? Yes. But was there people who could ultimately stand up to him? Yes. There were people like The Undertaker and, you know, that sort of stuff. Like... There were people that. When could you say his first like, run, do you mean after he came back, or are you saying like initial first run, young ass Brock Lesnar? Like young ass Brock Lesnar. Okay. Well, he didn't have the aura. He didn't have the legitimacy of being a UFC fighter. He was just a farm boy. He had farm oh, he, man he, strength. He had legitimacy then. No, 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 no. I know he had the NCAA title. I got that. But and they always brought that up. Oh no, of course. But you know he didn't have he didn't go away and come back, and have the UFC behind him. But even when he first came back after the UFC stuff, he lost all the time. Yeah, true. So like, there's a happy medium between these things. True. So the king, uh, comes down to the ring. Your SmackDown announcers are Tom Phillips, Corey Graves. And I guess Jerry Lawler. Next match is AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. This is for AJ. Uh, this is uh, AJ Styles' fourth WrestleMania, and his fourth one-on-one -on -one match. Randy Orton doesn't like how AJ got to the WWE. You know, he had to work for it and not have his father help him get a job. So now they're gonna fight about it. Well, weren't they also like? Wasn't it also that Orton didn't like that uh, Styles was saying that SmackDown was the house that AJ Styles built? Yes. And it's like, well, Randy is like, I've been here for 20 years. I didn't blah, build blah, 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 blah. I only built a shed. <laughs> and then I burnt it down. <laughs> AJ Styles is a veteran journeyman versus Randy Orton, the man that built the WWE. King tells a story and says that Randy did everything on his own 
Randy is an only child, and still, in his uh, his dad is still not. Let's fuck that up. He's an only child, and still, Randy is not his father's favorite son. Crickets. Yeah. Crickets. Orton well, goes for an RKO early, but blocks it. RKO is now being treated like a one-hit death. You hit it, well, it you're a, done. Is it a one-hit death always? Apparently now. Also, to go back to what you were saying before about how Randy and his dad don't get along, I mean, there was that run where Randy's dad did help him out against The Undertaker, but if you remember... Back when Randy first became a wrestler, what was his uh, uh, signature pose? It was the, the O pose. It was the O pose. And who also did that? His uncle, Barrio, oh. who was a jobber. He wasn't going to say Valvinas. No, Barrio. <laughs> so maybe maybe Uncle Barry yeah. helped Randy. There you go. You, you know. Trying uh, to help you out, Jerry. You're not doing yourself any favors. I'm just... Yes. So this is Randy Orton's 15th WrestleMania match. Tying the Big Show and his fourth overall. I honestly didn't realize Big Show had that many WrestleMania matches. I only remember, like, the two. The WrestleMania 35... Oh, sorry, sorry, not the 35. WrestleMania 15, Mankind match, and then the tag match where he partnered with Kane and like Nathan Jones was supposed to be there. No, so he he was teaming in that match. He was teaming with A Train. Oh yeah, there was a match where he did tag team with Kane for the tag team titles against Chris Masters and Carlito around WrestleMania twenty one or twenty two, somewhere around there. That sounds about right. Uh, and then, uh, of course, there was his most famous match, which was uh, WrestleMania 24, where he faced uh, Floyd Money Mayweather. Oh, yeah. And there was a sumo wrestling ring. Oh, yeah. WrestleMania 21, he did uh, Akebono. Yes. And his Watashi. And his Watashi? His eye? Oh, I, I can't think of the name that they wear. The thing. Oh, yes, his, his diaper. Yes, his diaper. Anywho, moving on. Randy Orton with a long headlock. It takes on AJ forever to get out of, but he finally does. AJ is fast and high-flying. Orton is brawling and slow-paced. The crowd starts chanting something to the tune of Seven Nation Army, but I can only think of, oh, scissor me, daddy. AEW has ruined me. I wanted to get that shirt, but I don't want to see what people think. Like, do what with who now? Well, I mean, yes. Like, I, I, I understand your your hesitation because, like, um, scissoring is definitely, like, something that certain people would definitely look at you there and go, hmm. If they don't know it's a wrestling thing. Exactly. And that, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's one of the fun things. Is where I work, we get to wear t-shirts. And pretty much if they don't have cuss words on them, or are not, you know, stupidly 
stupid for the sake of being stupid, you can wear it. And I'm like, yeah, it'd probably be a shirt I probably wouldn't wear ever. Just, just because. Well, I would also just say, be careful, bud. You live in the South. Yeah, I've had people, uh, when I used to wear my Bullet Club shirt, people would go, wow, Bullet Club, you must love guns. You know, Brandon's trying to take our guns. Before that was, Obama's trying to take our guns. And I'd be like, this is a wrestling shirt, sir. What, wrestling? You mean like Stone Cold Steve Austin? Yes. No, see, when they say Stone Cold Steve Austin, you go, what? <laughs> I hated that so much. Ah, good, good times. Although, my favorite time wearing my Bullet Club shirt. I had to go to, I had to go to Canada for two weeks, and the hotel I was staying at was so fancy, it had a doorman, and I walked out into Toronto, and the doorman comes running up to me, and two sweets me, and my coworker is like, "What the fuck is going on right now?" As we're too sweet to each other. And he goes, do you know him? I'm like, you wouldn't no. understand, man. It's a wrestling thing. He goes, I got Jesus. Let's go. <laughs> no, see, what you should have done is do you just too sweet him? And then do you know? No. And no sell it. Yeah. yeah, there you go. And then yeah. super kick him. And then he go, I just super kicked Barry. Yes. What do you mean I'm going to HR? <laughs> what happens on the weekend stays on the weekend. Uh, a power slam by Orton for a two count. AJ's up at this point, And it's just back and forth. A few moves to each other. No real story. And there's really no, and no one's really gaining an advantage. Out of nowhere, the announcers say, oh, Orton has a left knee issue. But then King says, no, I think it's both. Like, both uh, of his knees are bad? Both of his knees just magically turn to dust. So I guess it doesn't matter which leg the calf crusher gets put on. Exactly, because that's exactly what happens. He screams and he gets to the ropes. A great AJ spot, though. AJ is sent to the apron as Randy stumbles around and AJ goes for the phenomenal forearm. We see Andy, Randy jump in midair like he's going to do the RKO, but AJ catches himself on the ropes and just lands back on the apron. And he then just hits a springboard 450 for a two count. But I like that. Yeah, because once you commit to an RKO, you're kind of, you're just up in the air, you're jumping. Hell yeah. <sighs> so, a superplex on Orton. Or, sorry, on AJ, but Orton barely gets a cover, so AJ kick, easily kicks on it, too. AJ is knocked to the apron uh, from an uppercut. Orton sets up for a draping DDT, but it hits and then hits it. And the fans are going crazy about something. Like, something was happening in the crowd, and I don't know, but it was weird. But it was like 15 or 20 seconds after the DDT, all of a sudden they're going nuts. And here's so why. Okay. So, well, it turns out there was a yellow light 
shining directly into the vision of a fans and a portion of the crowd that couldn't see anything. And they finally had fixed it. So that's when the crowd went nuts. <clears throat> What's more is Randy Orton then went on Twitter and apologized to the fans and said they missed quote-unquote a fucking great match. I wouldn't go that far, Randy. I, but, I agree. But at least he's learning how to apologize. I mean, I'm surprised he just didn't go and find, like, the light person's bag and poop in it. Now he just poops into everybody in the crowd's bag. Like, no, Randy! <laughs> Orton fires up for an RKO. Styles hits an integrity for a two count. Uh, and then an RKO out of nowhere. But Styles kicks out the very last second. Uh, Orton randomly goes to the top and then to hit a super RKO. But AJ hits a Pele kick. Orton's on the outside. AJ hits a phenomenal forearm on the outside. AJ then hits another phenomenal forearm after Randy is in the back in the ring and then gets the win at 16 minutes and 20 seconds. A okay match. Probably AJ Styles' best match at WrestleMania. Out of the ones that he's had. Yeah, it was better than the Shane McMahon one. It's better than the Jericho match. <sighs> I'm still salty about that. That should have been such a great match. Well, yes, but... <sighs> okay, so Randy Orton called this a great fucking match. I didn't, though. There was really no storytelling to this match. There was no crowd heat. The whole bad knee story they tried to play was like a two-minute thing that they quickly forgot about. And they just did moves to each other until a pinfall. I don't know why, but it always seems like AJ Styles has shitty WrestleMania matches. Yeah. Any, any more thoughts? Well, you know, I think this, is, this really highlights uh, one of the things that I like about Daniel Bryan as a wrestler or Brian Danielson, in particular, when he was Ring of Honor champion and now when he's uh, in AEW, that a wrestler should have multiple finishing maneuvers for multiple different types of opponents. Uh, we say that there's no story to this match, and then they we say, it's oh, it's random. Oh, all of a sudden, Randy has knee issues. Randy, We know Randy historically doesn't have knee issues, but you know historically what Randy does have? Shoulder issues. So... AJ had a move that worked on the shoulders for this one match, and it worked into his gameplay, we could have an actual story. But we're not allowed to do that because we have to work towards these recognizable moves for these particular wrestlers because these wrestlers aren't actual sports stars or actual wrestlers. They're just people with a certain moveset. They're actors. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> The Southern Sexy Belle, Lacey Evans is introduced. She comes out, just kind of walks around, and then uses an LED board. Uh, she just leans on it and to look sexy. She just stands there. And that's it. They got to a commercial. I think this is like just after she's been signed and she had like maybe a f two or three matches on NXT. It was like she was not on NXT for long enough, but Vince McMahon saw her and was like, we need her up on the main roster immediately. Va-va-voom. 
and then they were like, oh, but she can't wrestle. Well, that's okay. She could just walk out <laughs> and wave. People just want to see her. And it's like, no, Vince. People aren't you. <laughs> Creep. <laughs> Fatal 4-Way for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The Usos versus The Bar versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev versus Ricochet and Aleister Black. Uh, if you would have told me Ricochet and Aleister Black or Nakamura and Rusev were tag teams, I would have never, like, you put a gun in my head, I would have been killed. Uh, Rusev and Nakamura have been a tag team a couple of different times, actually. Um, and Ricochet and Aleister Black are kind of strange. They started teaming up as they were leaving NXT, and this was... I believe the uh, they had a really good tag match the night before at NXT TakeOver, and then they were doing double duty this WrestleMania. Yes, you are correct. Yes. Two teams are legal at a time. The uh, entrance took a million years to complete, and then there was uh, a Snickers ad read. Way to kill time. Jane Alice. Hey. Oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, did you notice that for some reason they added some creepy noise to Ricochet's entrance? I didn't pay that close of attention. So, when Aleister Black does his thing, he, like, rises up and it makes, like, this creaky, like... Yeah, 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 it makes the chain noise, like... Yeah, Yeah, no, that's always been there. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's always been there. But when he started teaming with Ricochet, Ricochet didn't have a noise, and then like he like pulls up his hood or throws it back, and they add like some sort of like chain noise to his thing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I just make a whoosh. He just takes his takes his hoodie off so quick, and it's like that doesn't fit Ricochet at all. (laughs) (laughs) Alistair and Jay start out. Sheamus takes himself in. Rusev takes himself in. Nothing but big moves by everyone early on. Alistair Black, Ricochet with a big head, uh, with a big head scissors takedown, but does not do much as Cesaro does a million revolutions. Sheamus just beats the chest of everyone with his beats to whoever move. And then, how the fuck did Cesaro do such a long airplane spin? It's crazy. Then he applies a sharpshooter. You know, there are certain people who just do not get dizzy. Like, for whatever reason, they can spin around and around, and they just have a really good internal balance, and they just don't get dizzy. Actually, I think I know why. Mm. It's because he's Swiss. Ah, he's so neutral. He is. Alistair Black then hits a springboard moonsault from the middle rope. Ricochet breaks up a pin attempt, and then a standing moonsault for some reason... Rusev gets a two. Wait, what? A pin attempt. A standing moonsault. Oh, I I don't fucking know. Whatever. I write things down, and I completely forget why I write them down. A two count after a ragdoll slam, and just yells, "Come on, man!" Cause yeah, I want more "Come on, man" from Rusev. Come on, Lana. To the ref. Uh, let's see. Talkative Rusev is best. The bar is tagged in. The Usos and everyone else does this huge 
uh, three-team superplex. But Ricochet rolls through, and everyone else is down. Ricochet then hits a 6.30 on Sheamus, but everyone breaks it up at 2. So far this match really seems like a Ricochet highlight reel. Everyone starts hitting big kicks, and it ends with a brogue kick by Sheamus, but he yells and screams, and the Usos hit stereo super kicks, and the Usos then hit a double Uso drop to pick up the win and remain SmackDown Tag Team Champions at 10 minutes and 10 seconds. I mean, it was a good match for what it was, but it didn't, like I, like you said, it just seemed like there was no psychology. It was just big move after big move. I think probably they didn't get enough time to do any sort of story with four teams like that. So doing the uh, video game match uh, leaves the crowd happy. Yeah, I said it was a really good fast-paced match. I said it seemed like a highlight reel for Ricochet, like I said. It's sad to see how he is utilized almost four years later. Uh, I'd probably give the match about a three and a half out of five. So yeah, there you go. I would say that Ricochet has recently been a little bit, been portrayed a little bit better. Um, he's had a couple of uh, U.S. title runs, an IC title run. He's tag teaming with Braun Strowman, which is weird considering what Braun Strowman says on Twitter. Well, at least he isn't picking kids out of the out of the uh, audience. That's true. Um. So I, I, maybe after four years and stuff, Ricochet might have some hope if a certain old man stays away. Nope. It's time for the 2019 Hall of Fame. Got Harlem Heat. Brutus a beefcake. And I just had a thought. Are they going to put Brutus in multiple times? He's the booty man. He was the disciple. Um. Probably. Re- I, wait, am I thinking of the wrong person? No, could you repeat what you said? You broke up there for a second. Oh, okay. I said, you know, Bruce the Beefcake came, went in. Yeah. And are they going to put him in multiple times? Because, you know, he was like the booty man and the disciple and other things. Okay, so I do not think. The Disciple can be in because the NWO has already been inducted and they've only inducted certain members of the NWO. Um, So I think the Disciple's out. Unless they decide to do the One Warrior Nation. And that would only be two people. That would be the Disciple and Warrior. I don't think think that they would do Warrior a second time. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, The Booty Man was only on television for like three or four months I'm if I if I'm remembering correctly so probably not now if they do the dungeon of doom maybe the zodiac yes I no. want I want to see the yeti yeah. get brought into the Hall of Fame oh yes they'd have to they'd have to go find Reese is Reese still alive I don't know let's oh, take man. a look let's Google I hope so. Ron Reese. Uh, he is still alive. 
That is good. Yeah, he was born in 1970. Yeah. He's been retired for a good long time. Yeah. Hell yeah, he's only 52. Well, yes, but when you're 72... No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying, like, I thought he was older. I like how when I looked up Ron Reese on Google, the first image that comes up is Kurgan. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Ah... We got Tori Wilson, the Honky Tonk Man, and then the Warrior Award goes to Sue Atchison, who I believe is like the director of Make-A-Wish. We got Jim Neidhart and Bret Hart as the Hart Foundation, and then your headliner is D-Generation X. Uh, yeah, no... It was it was an interesting Hall of Fame because uh, Bret Hart was attacked by some crazy fan. Um, they were making AEW references because uh, yes. Billy Gunn had signed with AEW at this point. Until you mentioned that that Bret Hart got attacked, I completely just know. I didn't realize that was this one. But yeah, Triple H called AEW a pissant company. And then he said that Vince would buy AEW just to fire Billy Gunn all over again. You know what would be really funny? There has been a rumor that uh, it might be the opposite way around. Uh, no. I, I, here's the thing. I love AEW. Oh, I wouldn't want AEW to buy no. WWE. Hell no. No. Nothing works good in a Monopoly. Why do you think AEW became a thing? Why do you think Ring of Honor was so good for so many years? Why do you think Impact showed up? That's and, true. That's true. I mean, at the end of the day, like, we need competition. And I don't understand. Why, I mean, obviously, Tony Khan ain't going to buy. Rashid Khan is only worth $7 billion. I say only. But they want, like, 8 or $9 billion. Don't get me wrong, they could probably swing it with partners or something, but then you're giving up the the control. You have to be accountable to people. Right now, AEW is accountable to, I would assume, two men, Tony Khan and Rashid Khan. And I actually found it funny. There was a Bloomberg uh, article from this week called, like, Tony Khan, uh, the rich kid playing like book like playing pro wrestler with his father's money something along those lines and apparently it came out that Rashid Khan was super against him wanting to start AEW but then finally said well you're gonna inherit half this money anyway if you want to piss it away now go right a fucking head and uh yeah, well, they they've made a profit. So oh no, exactly. Like I I I I would hope that his father was like, hey, I was wrong. I'm really proud of you. I mean, I'm assuming he'd, he's been super critical in his other dad, you know, and the Jaguars, Fulham. Yeah. Like he's with his dad and other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, at the end of the day, like 
I, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, I mean, cool. But it seems like a lot of people talk really good about Tony Khan. And I, I just, no, I don't want the WWE owned by him. No, no. Because then AEW is just gone. Right. That's that's true. I don't know. I just I I just hope that we don't get I just don't want it owned by the Saudis. Oh, that's, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. That'd be terrible. That's that that's just my thing. Now, there is one other bit of uh hubbub from this particular Hall of Fame. Do you remember? China? Well, yes, they did mention China, which is notable. Uh, this is the first time that they've mentioned China since she had passed away. Uh, but no, uh, writer Archibald Peck, uh, R.D. Evans, uh, quit during this Hall of Fame because during the Bret Hart speech, a lot of things happened during the Bret Hart speech. Uh, he mentioned Vince McMahon by name and Vince McMahon didn't want to be mentioned by name and threw a hissy fit and was going to fire uh, that particular writer, uh, but he quit instead. Okay, I got one more piece of trivia for you. Oh, yes. At this WrestleMania, Pat McAfee was going, you know, was part of this whole festivities. Yes. And he wore shorts. And Michael Cole dressed him down in front of everybody to the point where he was going to leave. And he and someone found and said, saw him packing his stuff. And he said, why are you leaving? He said, I don't need this shit. You can go tell Michael Cole to go fuck himself. I'm out. And apparently they quickly ran to Vince McMahon saying that Pat McAfee's ready to leave and you better do something. Uh, and apparently Vince McMahon smoothed things over and said that, oh, yeah, I'm hip with what kids wear today. And let him wear his shorts. And uh, apparently made Michael Cole apologize in front of everybody. Yeah, but it was because Vince told him to scream at him. Probably. Probably. Yeah, it's wild. I, I heard that the other day, and I was like, holy shit, oh yeah, I remember that. And it's just so funny, because I'm watching the the Royal Rumble this year. And now I don't watch WWE uh, very often, but I hear like everyone raving about Pat McAfee, and he came back as a surprise. And Michael Cole was like jumping for joy. They're like BFFs. McAfee had one call during the Royal Rumble, during the pitch black match, which was just heinous and gross. What's that? I didn't watch the pitch. I only watched the Royal Rumble and called it a day. Oh, so during, so the, do you know, do you know the concept for the pitch black match? It was something about black lights and yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a black light all over the ring. And so Pat McAfee says right into the microphone, glad it's uh, dry cleaned my pants before this match. <laughs> Nah. It's like, and I'm just like, really? What are you pissing yourself? You're so happy. All right, false no. count anywhere match. The match of the night. My boy, Shane McMahon, versus Boo. the Miz. Boo! Oh, Jesus Christ. Mrs. Dad loves Shane McMahon, 
and thinks Shane McMahon and The Miz should become a tag team. So they do. And they become fast friends, and they get a tag team title shot, but they lose. And Shane McMahon turns on The Miz in front of Miz's father, George. And Shane gets in his face, grabbing his cheeks, saying, That's your son, huh? Turns out, Shane is sick of being asked to help people get ahead in the world. And he demands that The Miz is going to beat him up at WrestleMania. And he has no choice because Shane is his boss. So they have to fight now. Because Shane is like, I'm going to beat your ass, Miz. And it seems like a hostile work environment. I mean, it does. I There's one bit of the story, though, that we're forgetting. Because this ties into the Saudi Arabia shows. Okay. So, at this point, Shane is called the best in the world. Because, at one of the Saudi Arabia shows, I don't remember which it one was it was the called. greatest Royal Rumble ever. Thingy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was... One of one of them, uh, Super Showdown or you know whatever. Um, there was a tournament to crown the best wrestler in the world, and the finals of this tournament were The Miz versus Dolph Ziggler. But during the tournament, The Miz had gotten very injured and could not compete in the finals. Oh. So instead of Dolph Ziggler winning by default. His best friend, Shane McMahon, goes, Don't worry, Miz. I'll take your place. I got you, bro. And beat Dolph Ziggler to become the best in the world. Yes. So that also plays into this. Then Miz didn't want to fight him for some reason, but the line that made it personal was his father impregnating his mother was the biggest mistake ever. So now we have heel Shane McMahon, Versus Face Miz. That was a very Vince thing to say. It was. You know, he's just like... You know, Vince is always talking about, like... His... His... His, his, his se- semen. His yes. semen or abortions his, his or... Genetic jackhammer. Genetic jackhammer, yeah, yeah. The biggest mistake I made was giving birth to you. The product of my semen, Vince Shane McMahon. My genetic jackhammer is set to stun. God, I hate Vince so much. <laughs> Papa Biz is in the front row. Even on commentary, it is divided. Byron is sympathizing with the Miz, and Graves is on Team Shane. Shane grabs George out of the uh, out of the ring, or out of sorry, out of the crowd. And he to lure Miz out. He chases him around. He allows Shane uh, to beat Miz early. Uh, and then a very talkative Shane yelling at the Miz. His father is almost important. Wait, what? His father and almost importantly his spots. Okay, mm. whatever. Miz, let's let's pause. Let's pause here for just yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Do you think that George Mizanin looks like the Miz? Like, I don't... Like, I look at the, their two faces, and I don't necessarily well, see a facial... Well, to, to be fair, uh, A, uh, George is much older. So, he... And then he's also much... He's not exactly in shape. That, that's true. He does look like a potato. But 
I don't know. It's just I there are certain people who look very much like their parents. Like all always. And then there are other people who kind of morph into them later on. I think it's gonna be a later kind of thing. Yeah. I would think if we had a side by side at the same age or roughly the same age that the Miz is today, I think they'd look a lot alike. I bet George Mazzani got all the chicks. Not a Does the Miz Does the Miz get all the chicks? Probably at one time. He was on Real World. Oh, that's that's fair. So Shane grabs George Lure Oh yeah, I said all that bullshit. George okay, so he gets out or like George jumps the ring, that's what it was. Sorry, he never grabbed him out of the out of the crowd. Uh basically they end up in the ring. And so George squares up with Shane and George is sixty eight years old at the time of this. I think actually is George still alive? I think he just passed away recently. I did I uh, I I I hope so. Uh You hope so? I hope he's still well, alive. Well no, that's what I'm saying. I hope he's still alive. I thought there was someone's father had recently Maybe it was George John Cena's father? Lanny Poffo just died. Yeah, Lanny Poffo just passed away, I know that. But it was not too long ago. Um, well, I don't know. Anyway. Whatever. Well, he's on Instagram. And he's got a total of four pictures. And they're all of the Miz. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, he must be. Uh, George squares up the ring. He's 68 years old. Shannon shows him how to properly hold his fists up. Which is rich coming from Shane. His yes. punches are awful. Then attacks George with knees to the stomach. This allows Miz to make the save, but then beat up Shane. Miz yells for someone to get over here over and over again. Great job, WWE medical staff. Can't even help an old defenseless man. They fight into this, like, concrete area in the crowd forever. They're then, like, dicks. They go through the international announce table, like, flipping all the tables and shit. And, like, dumb shit like that. I must have been, I have been pissed. And they don't even get nice tables. They're like fucking card tables. Like, literally, end to end. Like, in a row. You know, if I, if, if I were Funaki, who was there, I would have just, like, started, like, beating up both of them. Like, you motherfuckers! Yeah. <laughs> get out of here! Give them a fucking... Fucking just start, uh, just, just start kicking them. Yes, that's what the Michinoku guys did a lot. Yes, I mean, he probably, you know, we saw that match with him versus uh, uh, Gato. You know, bring him back, bring us that Funaki. Yes, they fought into the tech area. Miz holds us, hits a skull crushing finale, but Shane kicks out at two. The match is slow, plotting, and it's all Miz. 
Shane then starts climbing a, clam, uh, a camera platform, and the Miz gives chase. Shane has a run out of, oh, Shane runs out of running room and pleads and says that he's sorry. He gets down on one knee, but Miz doesn't show mercy, and he beats up Shane some more. He then threatens to throw him off the platform, but instead does a huge suplex into a gimmicked floor below. But Shane ends up landing on the Miz during the fall and ends up picking up the win at 15 minutes and 30 seconds. I was so mad when I saw this live. I remember texting you and I was like, Shane McMahon just beat the Miz. And you're like, good. Yeah. That means the story can continue. And I was like, no, we don't want the story to continue. <sighs> I didn't Rob. know better. <laughs> I didn't know better back then. I was in the moment. Yeah, my entire match rating is yawn. It sucked. Anything from I you? Did, well, it's just, I never think that Shane McMahon should beat a wrestler. You know, especially at this stage, like he should not be able to go toe to toe with the Miz, who is a former WWE champion. And let's not forget a future WWE champion as well. Oh, yeah. So, like, when you compare, like, when you do that and have Shane beat this person who is your world or potential world champion contender. You're, you're putting him on the same stage, and, like, that means that your authority figures are should be able to go toe-to-toe with your world champions? That doesn't make any sense, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you know. I agree. It's some bullshit. Paige is a special guest announcer, along with Michael Cole and Renee Young. It's now time for the women's tag team titles to be defended. So it's a fatal four-way. It's the uh, Boss and Hug Connection, Bailey and Sasha. I hate that name. Nia Jackson, Tamina Snuka, The Iconics, and Natalia, and Beth Phoenix. The Divas of Doom! Yes. Bret Hart's music hits, and out comes Bret Hart, and he even gets fireworks. Two teams are only in the ring at once. Anyone can tag in. So Bailey and Tamina start out. Tamina takes out everyone, and so does Nia Jax, but is quickly double teamed and thrown into the ring steps. Natalia locks on a sharpshooter. I wrote a shark shooter. Uh, she hits a sharpshooter on Sasha Banks, but then is saved because it doesn't tap out. Uh, double Samoan drops by the on the Iconics by Tamina and Nia. Both women then climb to the top rope, and then uh, Beth Phoenix saves the day. Elbow drop by Bailey and a frog splash onto Beth Phoenix. Only gets a two count. On the top rope, both Beth and Bailey fight, and Beth hits a huge glam slam from the top rope. But the Iconics save the day, but they toss out Beth to win the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships at 10 minutes and 45 seconds. Thoughts? Uh, okay, so it was an okay match. I always wince whenever Beth Phoenix does that glam slam off the top rope. It looks like it sucks for whoever takes it. Um, 
not that many people do. It's like kind of just it's uh, for Bailey. It, it was it's kind of just Bailey and Eve Torres. Eve Torres likes to take that move from the top rope too. Um, if anybody had to win this match, the Iconics make, kind of make the most sense besides the bus, boss and hug connection because they're the only actual tag team. Um, I thought it was cool seeing Beth Phoenix come back and compete with women who she probably should have been competing with when she was an active competitor. Um, and the fact that she can still go to a certain extent is nice to see. Uh, but she's not going to be there every week, so it doesn't make sense to, for her to win either. So, uh, overall, okay. Um, and uh, it kind of sucks to see what has happened to these belts since then. <laughs> yes. All right. <sighs> it continues. WWE Championship match, Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. So the highlights of Kofi's career shown, his crazy rumble saves, he then transitioned to the New Day, uh, new Brian O'Brien, says that Kofi is a B-plus player, and Vince McMahon comes out and he agrees. So Kofi, Kofi has survived tons of stipulation matches, including an almost hour-long match that pitted him against five other people. And then he had to face Daniel Bryan, which he lost. The WWE Universe was super behind Kofi, and it was down to the New Day to win the tag team gauntlet match. If they lost, Kofi did get his shot at WrestleMania. Tons of Kofi Mania signs after the introduction. Oh, you know, I kind of transitioned to that. So the big thing was like the Usos that like basically laid down for for them to let Kofi win. And it was like this big momentous deal that like they were showing respect. Go, go on. Oh, Uh oh. You said that they were showing respect, and then you stopped. Well, that's that's all. They showed him respect, and he won. His, they won the match, so Kofi oh. got his title shot. Yes, I was just going to say that one of the thing, one of the aspects of the story that I really liked was that uh, the New Day, the other members of the New Day, acted unselfishly. They acted for the betterment of their friend rather than the betterment of the group necessarily. Like, Kofi getting the world title doesn't necessarily do anything for the New Day besides something that it's like, oh, my friend deserves this. And, like, we don't often see that in the world of wrestling. A lot of characters and people on the inside in real life are very cutthroat. So to kind of see that sort of story was nice to see. Agreed. So... What are your thoughts on Kofi Mania leading up to all this? I mean, it was exciting, um, but I was also kind of nervous because WWE doesn't necessarily have that great of a track record when it comes to telling stories like this. Um, The whole B-plus player sort of deal. They did it with uh, Daniel Bryan most recently, but like the 
thing that I was really concerned about uh, and was that they were going to pull a Booker T from WrestleMania 19 and just kind of like build this whole story up and then just take it away from him. Uh, but it was also really exciting to see the fans like uh, genuinely get behind somebody again right around WrestleMania. There was a lot of really nice energy around it. So the WWE Universe was super behind Kofi, and it was down to the New Day to win the tag team. Oh, yeah, I said that. I'm sorry. Um, tons of Kofi Mania signs. After the introduction of Kofi, Biggie has a big blue box set on a podium next to the ring. This was Eco Diane O'Brien. He had the WWE title made out of recycled wood, and it looks awesome. I really want a replica of it, but it's so expensive. Wasn't it like six grand or something? Uh, let me see if I can buy it still. Eco. Or was that the Fiend belt? Champion. No, that was the that was a Fiend belt. It was done by like uh, Hollywood uh, Hollywood graphics design something or another. Okay, let's see. Oh, it's on eBay now. Ah, not too terrible. Two hundred eighty bucks. Uh, that's still probably too pricey for me, but... Well, I mean, these replica titles aren't cheap, to be honest. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm not too impressed. I mean, I, I bought mine through a through a, through Pakistan mm -hmm. because it had the actual WWF logo on it, and it took over a year, and it's really shady. And I, I actually looked at buying a replica... WWE title from a shop around here, run by a former pro wrestler, mm -hmm. at a at a at a what do you call those things? A f not a flea market, but it's like an antique mall. Yeah. Okay. And I was shocked at a how light the belts were, and b they just felt like trash. But yet you pay three four hundred bucks for them. So I don't know. That, I don't know. It looks funny or it looks cool, but I don't know. Looking at it up close now, it's kind of like, eh. A little janky. I like that it's like in a burback. Uh, in the picture I'm looking at, it looks like it was like glued to a like a burlap sack. Yeah, if I can pull it up here. Oh, yeah. And... The one thing that I'm noticing that I don't particularly like is the corner uh, gems and the um, they look like white. cotton balls. Yeah. yeah, and the and stuff like that. It's just it's not as uh, it's just one long line and it doesn't fill the space as much. I don't know. Yeah. So Daniel Bryan's heavy is Rowan, also known as Ray Eric Redbeard. Also believe. known as the Vintner. The Vintner. And Spider-Man. Make, make some wine. Make some wine out of spiders. Hell yeah. Kofi Mania. Chance breakout. And both men just slowly feel each other out. A lot of chain wrestling early on. Brian hits a monkey flip, but Kofi lands on his feet. A ton of WWE superstars are shown in the back cheering on Kofi. It really felt like the entire WWE just hated Daniel Bryan. 
Well, I mean, he was very good at playing this heel character. That's um, true. At the Royal Rumble, he did this great promo about a burger that they were selling for the Royal Rumble event at the stadium and how it was gross and filthy and he stepped on it. And it was like this great promo. And I was like, afterwards, I was like, I hate that burger, but I also kind of want to try it. <laughs> Are you uh, also vegetarian? Uh, no, I'm not. But it, like, I, I... <laughs> I don't like certain things, and so there were certain things on it that I was just like, eh. But the the burger patty itself was a bratwurst patty, and that sounds pretty good. I've never had one before. I'd try a bite. Yeah. Kofi gets caught in midair, and Brian just toys with him. Uh, and eventually gets him into a Mexican surfboard stretch. Kofi is eventually able to get out and rain down kicks on Brian. Double knees into the chest of Brian after a backflip. Um, boom drop by Kofi, and then Kofi tries some moves, and he hits his face and chest off the announce table to provide an opening to Daniel Bryan. Kofi then is hung up in the ropes. Daniel Bryan hits a flying knee to the back of the, uh, to the back, but Kofi kicks out. I have to say that whenever Kofi is like tied up or like being stretched. It- one of the things that, uh, and it it's something that he can't necessarily help, but it actually really uh, helps his performance is uh, because of the way that he's been wrestling, he kind of has this chest deformity where his chest is a little caved in. And it always is very prominent when he's like stretched out, but it really helps him perform because it looks painful all of the time. So it really helps him. And it was on highlight here. There you go. Running knee by Daniel Bryan, but a kick out at the last second. Daniel Bryan then is hitting stomps to the face and then applies a label lock for the third time in the match. Kofi fights and fights and he can't break free all the way, but Kofi rains down right hands while Daniel Bryan holds on. He starts hitting the same face stomps. Kofi finally gets free and the New Day hypes up the crowd and the crowd's going nuts. A trouble in paradise, and Kofi picks up the win to become your new WWE champion at 23 minutes and 45 seconds. And then everybody cries. The Kofi's kids get to come into the ring and celebrate. It was a big deal when this happened. I remember that there were like some Twitter videos of like MVP and I think Shad at a WrestleMania watch party, like, just, like, crying. Yeah. Watching the, watching this happen. Because Kofi is the second ever black hurt man to hold the WWE Championship. Uh, and, yeah. Which is sad. Well, now yeah, it's better. It, We've now seen Bobby Lashley. And Big E has also Big held e. it. I yeah. completely forgot about Big E holding it. I mean, those have all been after Kofi within the last couple of years, but up until it was like The Rock won the WWF Championship in the 90s, and then Booker T won the World Heavyweight Championship in the mid-2000s, and then it was Kofi, um, you know... Kind of sucks that uh, racism and 
people are being held down like that still, but uh, this was a really big moment for a whole lot of people beyond wrestling. Like, so yeah, they recap the Under the Giant Battle Royal. Colin Jost and Michael Shea are both shown beat up, and Alexa says they are in good hands. And Scott Hall and Kevin Nash walk up in doctor's coats. Oh, Dr. Nash. You have to watch out for Dr. Nash. Yep. You'll get you. Booker T is well, special guest announcer. Go on. Oh, I was just going to say that uh, according to his uh, TNA run, he, he did some snuff films, so he's uh, may not be in good hands. Oh, dang. Well, there you go. So, a match I was like, oh shit, this is going to be good. The United States Championship match. Rey Mysterio versus Samoa Joe, the champion. This is Samoa Joe's first ever WrestleMania and Rey's first ever WrestleMania. Singles match in eight years. A 619 early on, Samoa Joe tries for an aerial move, but then is caught. Joe applies the Coquina Clutch. And Ray taps out at 58 seconds. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Ray was hurt. And so that's why this match was only a minute long. Like, he had messed up his ankle or something along those lines. So he couldn't do a whole lot. Gotcha. As a bummer. We get a trailer for Stuber featuring Batista, who will be fighting Triple H later on tonight. Next up is Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns was out of action, battling leukemia. And I remember the night he goes, This is Joe Anawahi, not Roman Reigns. And then he announced his cancer, uh, his cancer deal. Yeah, his cancer diagnos- diagnosis. There you go. That's, that's the word I was looking for. Five months later, Roman is back in action. But the newly returned Drew McIntyre comes back and beats the shit out of him. Big spine buster by McIntyre and just a lot of punching and kicking by both men. A Glasgow kiss by McIntyre and then an arm bar. Corey and Cole question if Roman's even in ring shape. Roman. I hate when I hate when the announcers do that. I was watching some old Royal Rumbles because recently, because the Royal Rumble is one of my favorite match types, and they did the same thing with Edge, right when he came back from the 2010 Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. He was all like, "Oh, he, his ankle's still bad. He he came back too early, and then he ended up winning the match." And it's like, don't do that. Don't question whether the wrestler is in ring shape that doesn't give them heat it doesn't build them up it just makes them look weak or stupid for being there and you don't want your baby faces to look weak and stupid yeah I don't know there you go I agree Roman misses a drive by and then he suplexed on the floor back in the ring Roman is then beat up more and then a big throw from the top rope by McIntyre. Uh, McIntyre is now hanging in a tree of woe. Roman misses a Superman punch, but is able to still hit him with one. 
then a spear, and he picks up the win at 10 minutes and 10 seconds. And my was a go ahead. Oh, it was a good match to show uh, Roman Reigns, uh, all of his like big hits. You know, the drive by the spear, the Superman punch. Uh, and I thought ultimately that the crowd was a lot nicer to Roman Reigns uh, than they had pretty much ever been since. Well, the dude, Shield. the guy came back from cancer. We're not gonna boo well, the guy. N- well, yes, I know. I think it sucks that he had to get cancer for in order for him to stop getting booed. I, I think don't that's disagree. awful. <laughs> I think that's awful. But <laughs> it was it was a physical match, but it wasn't overly long and it, it was even though it was a physical match, it was a nice and safe one. So I think Drew McIntyre was the ideal appoint, uh, opponent for Roman Reigns to come back to. So after several commercials, Elias is shown playing the drums, and then the piano, and then the real Elias is playing in the ring. He plays the blues, and the crowd starts chanting something, but I couldn't make it out, and Elias just talks. A video then plays showing the 1932 World Series, and Babe Ruth steps up and calls his shot and wins. It's a Royal... It's a home run at the Royal Rumble. I don't know. It's some famous video. Thugonomics then plays. And out comes rapper John Cena. Big chain and all. Cena does his rap. Saying that he's standing in the ring with John... Uh, he's standing in the ring with John Cena. Who's about to turn heel. He feels like he is watching one of his movies. Because the whole damn thing sucks. He says the WWE is a wasted wrestling experiment. Renee is happy that when John Cena calls him a pizza shih tzu. Uh, Lame. Cena's called a golden shovel because he's about to end his push. Cena makes a bald joke by pulling out a bag of pistachios. He then hits an FU by Michael Cole saying, Well, it's no called the AA. Shut up, Michael Cole. So, you know, it's the WrestleMania. Reason... Let us have fun. Yeah, no shit, old man. Old man Cole. Well, it was probably old man Vince yeah. who was like, you have to say AA or else the kids will go, where's my FU t-shirt? And we can't have that. Nope. Or the Ruck Fools hat that he used to have. Yes. Uh, so yeah, again, I'm so tired of these like segments where they just bury the shit out of established talent. And it's not really a match, but it counts as a match that John Cena had in WWE, so he could say that he had a match during the year of 2019 or 2018 or whatever. Um, I don't know. Uh it was fun seeing uh, the Doctor of Thugonomics gimmick back, uh, but I think it would have been better if they could have just have actually had an actual <coughs> match because Elias is a music gimmick, so having two music gimmicks have a match together makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. 
Alright, next up is the No Holds Barred match. Triple H versus Batista. If Triple H loses, his in-ring career is over. And at Ric Flair's 70th birthday on Raw, everybody paid tribute. But when Flair was introduced, he didn't come out. But Batista is shown dragging Ric Flair on the ground and asks Triple H, Do I have your attention now? Do I have your attention now, Hunter? Huh? Do I? And his nose ring matches the color of his sunglasses. Hell yes. And they're both blue, so we have the return of Blue Tista. Hell yes. Skinny jeans. <laughs> Batista says everyone said he should be grateful for his career and that all he did was use him to protect him. And he called Triple H selfish. They showed Batista split, quitting repeatedly in the past. So it's face executive Triple H versus Hollywood icon Dave Batista. Shawn Michaels is introduced as a special guest announcer. Dave comes out in an Escalade and Triple H gets his entire CG Madman Max Fury Road. Uh, he rides in a crazy bike, tricked out car. And uh, yeah, does all his shtick. I know that it's supposed to be Mad Max, but it really looks more like Wacky Races every time he does that sort of stuff. Hell yes. Triple H throws a toolbox at Batista. Triple H grabs a chain and smashes it across the back of Batista. After a few shots with the chain, it's wrapped around the face and he's choking him out with it. He then ran into the stairs for good measure. Shawn Michaels says that he forgot how mean Triple H is. I, I love Batista selling in this match. Every time that like he has some sort of face hold or he gets his like neck pinned under a chair, he always makes the same face where he kind of looks like a bullfrog, but he also is like sticking his tongue out slightly and he's just going, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H grabs a pair of channel locks and then applies the locks around the fingers of Batista and then jumps on the channel locks, presuming he broke his finger. I like that he has a jump on him. He can't just, you know, crush his finger. Oh, you have to jump on them in order to apply extra force. Yes, maximum damage. Also, so the crowd can hear you stamp. <laughs> Triple H then grabs a needle nose pliers and a chair. And he hits the back of Batista. Sean tells us that he has been on the receiving end and that doesn't feel good. Triple H then sets the chair across the throat of Batista and then he grabs and then he says that's a nice nose ring and Triple H yanks the ring out of his nose and then he holds it up with a smile on his face and Corey Graves is beside himself and says my favorite line of the night this man is my boss well you see Triple H is just jealous of Batista because uh, Triple H's nose is so large he cannot get nose jewelry it would look kind of like he would the nose jewelry would have to be so large that it would look funny Oh. Triple H wraps around the chain around his hand but Batista catches Triple H and he tried for like a Superman punch but Triple H is slammed on top of the English announce table and it doesn't break 
Triple H then runs across both triple uh, tables and spears Dave through the German announce table. Triple H grabs a sledgehammer, but Batista blocks and grabs a hammer, but Triple H blocks with a boot to the face. Uh, then again, a spine buster by Batista, and Batista hits a Batista bomb. As Triple H drops a sledgehammer, uh, as Triple H tried to use the hammer uh, in a callback against the Undertaker match in twenty uh, in 2000. Uh, one at WrestleMania 17. Mm. Batista then brings the steps into the ring. Batista puts Triple H on the top rope. Both men fight for a while. Uh, Triple H slips underneath and Triple H hits a powerbomb onto the ring steps. He then hits his pedigree, but Batista kicks out as Shawn Michaels tries his best Vince McMahon impression. With, what a maneuver! What a, now he goes, unbelievable! Uh, unbelievable! Out of nowhere, Ric Flair appears and gives a sledgehammer to Triple H. Triple H then runs and jumps off the steps, hitting Batista in the head. He then, for good measure, hits a pedigree to pick up the win at 24 minutes and 45 seconds. I said I All really right. liked the storytelling. I really liked the craziness of the match. And this actually told a really fun story. And I thought they both matched up really evenly. Yes. And, Rob, we have reached the end of an era. Oh, thank fuck. No more plotting Triple H matches. No more 50-minute brawls. No more Triple breaking H. into Randy Orton's house. Yes, this is the final Triple H WrestleMania match. Now, he was not expecting that, obviously. Uh, but he has a heart condition and he can no longer wrestle. So this is his final match at WrestleMania. Well, I think it was a really good match. If he had to end on a match, I'm honestly glad it was that one because this is probably besides the Shawn Michaels match or sorry, the Undertaker matches. Mm. I'd probably say this is probably the second best match. Than the, it was certainly than the, fun. Yeah. I, I did also like that uh, Batista did not uh, make this a retirement match for himself until after the match. Um, that wasn't part of the build to it. He just uh, afterwards said on I'm Twitter, out. this was... It was his retirement? Yeah, this was my final match. Thank you, blah, 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 blah. I thought that was a really classy move considering what the next match was. Yeah. I agree. In the back, Alexa Bliss is in the, with the B players who are wearing Daniel Bryan is still the world champion. Collectible t-shirts. I want those t-shirts. Well, they were, prob oh, go ahead. they were probably sent off to... Africa. Some, yeah, probably. Some third world country. Yeah. Ron Simmons yells, damn. JBL is introduced as a special guest commentator. Kurt Angle's farewell match. Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle. What can you tell us about young Baron Corbin? Uh, Baron Corbin was a uh, former football player and also Golden Gloves boxing champion uh, who was recruited by the WWE and uh, was a standout in NXT uh, and then got called up 
around WrestleMania 30, where he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and then uh, was essentially mid-card to upper-card for the next several years, uh, won the United States Championship, I think won the Intercontinental Championship at some point, uh, was a Money in the Bank winner as well, uh, but got embarrassed by John Cena, so another person to add to that list. And then he ended up becoming an authority figure, uh, and ratings started going down, and they blamed him on national television and fired him for that, and that led up to this story, I believe. I believe. <sighs> and now he's happy, Corbin. Yes, now he is happy, Corbin. Um... He also went through a series of being Sad Corbin. Uh, Sad Corbin was great because it played into the fact that um, Baron is uh, a bald man. And also he sort of uh, gained a little bit of weight. So that was also just played into it a little bit. That was great during the pandemic. And then uh, he shaved his head again and now he's happy. There you go. Kurt Angle's farewell match. Michael Cole and JBL uh, talk about the anger that the fans have had over Angle selecting Baron Corbin and how he's not someone and how it's not someone more deserving. What can you tell us about that? Well, I, I think that a lot of fans wanted John Cena to be the final opponent of Kurt Angle because he was Kurt Angle's uh, or Kurt Angle was John Cena's first opponent, so there's some kind of synergy there. Uh, but, like, I can definitely see why the WWE wanted Kurt Angle to put somebody new over if they were going to retire him, which they were here, because Kurt Angle definitely shouldn't still be in the ring. Uh, this match definitely proves that. Um... So using that retirement to build up a new star is not necessarily a bad idea. Uh, but the fans were also just angry that it was Baron Corbin who they do not like. There you go. Also, I think it's cowardly that the announcers are talking about how uh, Baron Corbin is not deserving of this and it's Vince again who's having the announcer say that sort of thing yeah and it's like Vince if you don't like it you're the one who could change it so why are you having your announcer say this I don't know. like it, it it doesn't do Baron Corbin any favors if he if he wins or loses this match it does not yeah so, uh, belly to belly, Corbin is about six inches taller than Angle. Corbin yells at Angle, trash-talking him. And then he hits clubbing blows on Angle. Rolling German suplexes on Corbin for a two-count. An attempted Angle slam, but Corbin blocks it. Hits a big boot. An ankle lock is applied, but Corbin powers out. He hits a deep six for a near fall. The crowd is dead. Corbin runs chest first into the corner, and Angle hits an ankle slam for a near fall. And then the straps come down. And then the ankle lock is applied in the middle of the ring. But after some time, Corbin gets out. And then sends Kurt Angle uh, into the middle rope. 
and then does a you can't see me, but then it fires Angle up, so Angle hits more rolling during suplexes. The front, the crowd finally comes alive as Angle climbs to the top rope. He hits his moonsault, but he misses, and Corbin wins with the end of days and picks up the win at six minutes and five seconds. After the match, Kurt Angle picks up the mic and asks the fan the chance the two words that he loves. And they all chant, you suck, and everyone loves, everyone leaves happy. Yeah. It's so, yeah, but I know that historically the fans have always chanted, you suck at Kurt Angle. But I wish that at like the very end, they could have done something that isn't, what that isn't that like they could have changed it to like a you rock or something along those lines as a thank you because when he just had this sort of middling match and then he goes okay guys chant i suck it's like it's really sad <laughs> you know yeah i guess but i mean it's all tongue-in-cheek yeah so Oh, god damn, this never fucking ends. <laughs> we have another match. Intercontinental Championship. Bobby Lashley with Leo Rush versus Finn Balor. Balor is in his demon face paint. He comes out quick with drop kicks, bicycle kicks, and a somersault plancha. Lashley finally gets an opening with a single arm spine buster. Then a huge suplex where Lashley nearly lost his balance. But he recovered. Balor is thrown into the barricade. He hits a sliding blade. Oh, sorry, a sling blade. And then he growls. Finn Balor yeah, should was, not be growling. <laughs> God, he's so stupid. No, he's the demon. He should be growling. He goes, err, because he's scary. He's a monster. He's unhinged. Balor is speared out of midair, and then another one in the ring. But Balor kicks out after a million kicks to the head. Uh, Baylor hits a power bomb on Bob Lashley, then climbs to the top rope, and then hits a coup de gras, and picks the win at four minutes and five seconds to become the new Intercontinental Championship winner. All right, guy. So, yeah, I mean this match, honestly, uh, like Finn Balor versus Bobby Lashley on paper should have a very good match. They weren't given enough time. Also, the Demon character. Uh, is a little stale at this point. It was very impressive to see Finn Balor pick Bobby Lashley up for a powerbomb. However, it also looked a little silly, I will say, to see, you know, five foot eight Finn Balor powerbomb, six foot four, 300 pound Bobby Lashley. But uh, other than that, you know, like this match wasn't really long enough for them to really mess up anything super, super bad. And Finn Balor tends to do very well, so it was it was fine. Yep. Yeah, I agree. A WrestleMania 36 commercial will be held in. Or sorry, there is a WrestleMania 36 commercial. It'll be held in Tampa Bay on April 5th, 2020. So get ready for that. Uh, kind of. Except yeah. uh, not really. I remember the shirt that said, I wasn't there. <laughs> it's now time for the main event. Fuck, finally. Sorry, I am just... 
My my voice hurts. Becky won the Royal Rumble. Charlotte beat Asuka to become the champion. Ronda is the Raw Women's Champion, and Charlotte's the SmackDown Champion. And the winner of the match will be crowned champion of both. It is a winner-take-all. They'll be the champ champ. They'll be the champ 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 champ. Ronda went shoot heel against the fans and wants to tap out both women. Uh, and this heel turn against the fans is still going on. Well, because she even sucks all- balls. Well, she probably <laughs> does, but she sucks. All she does is, like, make her facial inspections and, like, mean mug and, like, brr, I'm Ronda Rousey. I used to do things in NFC. Yes. Helicopter is shown recreating the famous entrance of her father where he landed in the Charlotte WSOC news helicopter in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1987 at the Starcade event. They landed in a hell. Well, go ahead. I was just going to say that Charlotte looks a lot different from like only a couple of years ago at this point. She's had a lot of work done, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that when you look at her side by side only a couple of years ago, uh, she's made a, a quite a body transformation. It is interesting to see. Hmm. Gotcha. I could not speak to that. They landed on a helipad and she walks towards the ring. We cut back to the arena and Joan Jett does a live performance of Ronda's song. And then Becky just gets her normal entrance. So she's screwed. The bell rings and everyone uh, just stares at each other. Becky and Charlotte go after Ronda. Uh, but finally, Charlotte wisely doesn't fight. She just watches. So then Ronda just beats up both women, sending both outside. Ronda hits a Piper's Pit onto Charlotte on the floor. That must have hurt. She tries the same on Becky, and Ronda is thrown into the post. Uh, Becky then catches Charlotte after a moonsault into the disarmor. But Rhonda is back and attacks Becky. Rhonda and Charlotte trade chops and yells, You chop like a bitch! <sighs> Gotta get it in there. And, and then Charlotte goes, I chop like a bitch. And then Rhonda goes, Yeah! And then she gets slapped in the face. Yes. Um, But, God, why does Rhonda have to do things like that? Like... Uh-huh. She does the same thing later. Terrible store for bitches. It it just it, it makes her sound kind of dumb, you know, just a, just a tiny bit. Everybody, everybody, every woman's match has to have a bitch remark in there somewhere. I guess so. A, a young Roman Reigns takes notes. Yes, a backsplitter from the top rope on Charlotte, and she nearly didn't make it. Ronda hits a double cross body to both women, but they go, but they kick out. Ronda then gets a double arm bar, but uh, she is power bombed. Ronda hangs on, and then finally the third time, uh, she's power bombed and lets go. Becky is thrown out by Charlotte and pins Ronda for a two count. Uh, Becky pulls on a table, and the triple threat rules are no DQ. They take a million years to bring the table into the ring and set it up while Charlotte and Ronda are dead on the ground. But Charlotte comes in and slams Becky into the table. 
on a bad leg, Charlotte climbs to the top rope, and she hobbles up, but Becky stops her. Rhonda comes running over and pushes Charlotte out the top rope and then throws the table away to the disdain of the crowd. Ooh. Rhonda then tries for another Piper's Pit, but Rhonda blocks it. Charlotte hits a double spear out of nowhere and gets only a two count on the individual covers. Charlotte then sets up a table in the corner and bounces Rhonda's face against the table. Becky then takes over, but Charlotte hits a spear for a two count. Charlotte then is put through a table by Becky, and Rhonda is now down to them. Oh, now is now down to just them, and they wildly throw punches. But Rhonda quickly takes down Becky with a knee to the face. Rhonda then hits a Piper's Pit, but Becky grabs the shoulders of Rhonda and gets a pinfall out of nowhere at 21 minutes and 30 seconds. Becky Lynch is now the new women's champion of both Raw and SmackDown and is now Becky Two Belts. Yes, however, the pin was a little uh, sloppy, so Ronda's shoulders were up and she started to complain. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Oh, fuck, I feel like I just ran a marathon. Okay, that was five hours of talking. And five hours of pay-per-view. What did you think of WrestleMania 35? It was overly too long, but there were a couple of things that I think WrestleMania 35, that make WrestleMania 35 notable. One, we have our first women's main event, which I think is long overdue. Uh, The ladies did get their main event. I think it kind of stinks that they had to wait for a Ronda Rousey in order to make it happen. But hey, uh, once we get to the two night WrestleManias, they start having the a women's main event more often, and so this is kind of just a stepping stone for that. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, second thing, again, Kofi Mania was a big, big thing, uh, even outside of the WrestleMania or, or wrestling sphere. Like that made uh, major news that Kofi Kingston won the WWE Championship. Um, it kind of sucks how his uh, reign ended. Uh, but we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> um, but overall, uh, this is a one of those main-numbered WrestleManias, like 30 or 35, that uh, it's like the first one in a while that doesn't feel like as big of a deal as, uh, let's say, WrestleMania 20 or 10 or 30 for that matter. Um Whereas some of the other ones have had, uh, some of the other anniversary WrestleManias have felt a little bit larger. Fair. All right. Are you ready to hear what Mr. Dave Meltzer rated WrestleMania? What did Dave Meltzer, the wrestling observer, had to say? All right. The star ratings. So... Hey, we never talked about Zack Ryder and the Revival. And Kurt Hawkins. Yes. yes. Oh, Two boy. stars. Three stars. Ah. Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. A dud. 3.5. 3.5? Yeah. Seems a little generous. Three and a half stars? Three and a half stars. No. Yeah. No! AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. 
uh, uh, star and a quarter. Wow, damn, you're really hating. Three and two, three and a quarter. I don't know, know about that. Samoa Joe versus Randy Orton or Rey Mysterio, whatever. Uh, a dud. A not rated. Oh, okay. Uh, the Uso, the four-way title match, tag title match. Uh, two and a half. Three and a quarter. Okay. Uh, the women's four-way title match. One and a half. Close. One and a quarter. Oh. Shane McMahon versus The Miz. Uh, a half a star. <laughs> One and three-fourths. And then Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston? Uh, four and a half. You are correct, sir. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre? Three. Two. Triple H versus Batista. Three and a quarter. Two. I don't. I don't agree. <laughs> that should at least be a three, dude. If fucking AJ Styles and what do they get? They fucking got what? Three and a quarter. Fucking Batista yeah. and Triple H at least earned a three. Yeah. Uh, Finn Balor. I. Uh, two. One and a quarter. Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin. Negative five. One. Probably oh. Kurt Angle's probably lowest rated WrestleMania match ever. Probably. And then finally the main event. Three and three quarters. Three quarters. No, it's three stars. Three stars. Okay. Yes. Oh. Fuck. I feel like I ran a marathon. <laughs> oh god let's not cancel that oh holy shit I went to close my browser and audition came up and I hit oh. the X and I was like do you realize stop recording I'm like oh god no <laughs> I ain't doing this a third time a third uh, time I mean the first time anyway I thought the show was way too fucking long and what a lot of people remember about this show wasn't the show. It was the terrible time trying to get home because the trains stopped working after midnight. And the WWE never told them, oh, we're going to be late. So, uh, yeah, there was no public transportation. Ubers were in super high demand. And uh, people, and then on top of it, it rained. So... People were stuck in the rain for hours, and yeah, in fucking New Jersey. That, that seems very WWE. We already got your money, pal. Yeah. All right. Anything else before we head off? I don't believe so. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Be on the lookout for some fun some young hot Shinsuke Nakamura matches yes cause that's gonna be our next bonus show yes young Shinsuke Nakamura before he became the the artist or prince or zodiac uh, or... We... not the zodiac that was that was the booty man and when we say young Shinsuke Nakamura, we mean pre-WWE. Uh, 
Yes. All right, everybody. Take care. Thank you very much for listening. Later. Bye.